Hey everybody, it's Mr. England here. You'll notice uh, I'm not on this episode, which is totally cruel. Miss Check will talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, but you'll also notice that this is getting put out later than we had originally hoped. With the craziness of the coronavirus going through our nation and the world, uh, things just got put up and thrown around a little bit. So we hope that you enjoy this episode anyways. Share it with people who might be looking for something interesting to do uh, or who just might want to have some cheer in their life. We're thinking about you. Check the show notes for resources on how to stay safe uh, during this time. And remember, physical separation and isolation doesn't mean social isolation. So make sure you're checking on each other and you're just having uh, good, meaningful conversations and communications, even though we are stuck in our houses together. You guys rock. This is Miss Check, one of four music appreciation teachers at OHVA, and we're here with episode 25 of the Ohio Virtual Academy Music Appreciation Podcast. And I'm going to give you a couple announcements before we get into the podcast today. Um, and I'm going to start us off with reminding you that spring break is very soon. Uh, you want to make sure that you remember that your teachers aren't going to be available at this time. We're going to be out doing spring break, well, in doing spring break. And so I wanted to remind you that even though we're not available, you can still do your work, you can still access your classes and get things done. This is a great opportunity to catch up on work if you're feeling behind. So use the opportunity um, to do that and we'll be back on March 30th to answer questions and resume classes normal. Now you'll notice that I didn't uh, introduce Mr. England, and the reason I didn't is because we have a guest today, um, a guest that is near and dear to my heart. It's my brother-in-law, Jared Cherup, and the reason Jared's here is he's going to talk to us about video game music. And the fun thing is he's the I've wanted to get him on this podcast for a while because he has such an extensive knowledge of video game music. Now, he doesn't do this by trade. By day, he's an information security professional, but he is an avid video game collector and enthusiast. He has collected over, get this, 2,000 2000 games, both old and new. And we talk a lot with each other about video game music, but he also just loves music. He has a little bit of a musician background, um, but he is very interested in video game music, and so that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him today. One of the other things about Jared is that he's the co-host of the Signs, Cosines, and Tangents podcast, and it's a nerd culture podcast, and they talk about video games, stuff like that, um, but Jared, as I'm totally biased, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, but he is probably one of the people who I know talks about video games more than anybody. And so what we thought we'd do today is just have a little bit of time to talk about how video game music has evolved and what's changed and what's different now from when they first started. So we decided we're going to kind of go in console order here. And I'm going to let Jared off the leash, as it were, because he's really good at being off the leash. So Jared, can you just kind of start talking to us a little bit about when we started hearing music in video games and what it sounded like way back in the day. No, pr no pressure at all there. Here. Yeah, uh, that's what I do. Yeah, so <laughs> video games and music, you may think, are pretty intertwined now. Um, but music and video games wasn't always 
around. Uh, when video games started in the arcades back in the 1970s, which that's even older than me. <laughs> we um, are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a lot of just sound effects, like, you know, doop, 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 doop. Uh, that's one-to-one recreation there. That was really good. And, <laughs> and now were people singing that? Or were they doing that through the computer? Well, I think a lot of people know the standard Pac-Man. Waka, 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 waka. Sure. Um, but yeah. So then video games started uh, introducing music in terms of intros. So like Pac-Man has an intro. You may be familiar with Donkey Kong, the arcade game. The original Donkey Kong started off with an intro and had very basic music. But it wasn't really very melodic. It was just sort of there and just kind of like three or four tones and just very, very repetitive. Um, So then you get to Atari. Atari didn't really have a lot of video game music either. It really wasn't until the Nintendo Entertainment System or the NES. And that's what I grew up with as a kid. Which, by the way, kids, uh, this is about to be a Nintendo fanboy podcast. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Uh, Most of the music we're going to cover is Nintendo, but we'll get to that. Um, and so the, the very first, like the most iconic thing that I think people even know what it is today, even though the game came out in 1985 would be the original Super Mario Brothers theme. For sure. So let's listen to that real quick. Yeah. So I think everybody's heard that before. And it's yeah. and it's it's you know reprised a lot in in modern day Mario games or Mario Party or whatever. You've you've heard that song. For sure. Do you think that that's like the first real one people have grasped onto? Absolutely. I think so too. Um and again, not just the kids that were playing the games, the parents that were, you know, had the kids in their house playing that game also heard that music quite a bit. <laughs> Um, I know it was a big deal in our house. Yeah. So one thing about you, you think about that theme is it's very, uh, fun and adventurous. And so one theme they had in the original super Mario brothers is they had this theme of athleticism. So that's actually, I mean, they wanted like an athletic theme is so to speak. So that's why it's got that really bouncy, bubbly sort of feel to it because they wanted, you know, Mario's going through an adventure. So this was a very conscious decision by Nintendo. Yes, and this was this was uh, the composer's name is Koji Kondo. He, if you know, if you're a fan of Nintendo in any means, you know Koji Kondo. You may not know him, but you know his music because he's he's been one of Nintendo's main composers since the beginning. He was hired on as a composer for Nintendo, and they're like, make music for this video game. Here's what we're kind of doing, but he kind of had to make it off the cuff. The other thing with video game music back then um, was you really didn't compose it the way you would think you composed music today. You weren't writing a sheet of music with notes. You're basically programming music. So musicians that made video games back then and even today to some degree had some level of programming. So they knew what the instruments were. You actually literally program each note in code back in the day. Were these people musicians as well? Yes. Koji Kondo was a musician. Um, and a lot of them grew up uh, with electronic music, right? You had synth- synth- synthesizers were big. So they were familiar with sort of the synth sort of thing. But the programming, I think he had to learn some programming to kind of get it. Um, and that was a big part of it. I mean, 
it wasn't just like take this music and put it into the video game. They had to program <laughs> the music. Mm-hmm. And the NES and all the older game systems had very specific sound chips in them. So the instrumentation was based on certain waves and sounds that were used by all games because it basically you couldn't just put in an MP3 or a sound bite of a not like a what do you call it? Where a synthesizer where you put a sample of music in, mm-hmm. you know, later s- synthesizers, you could kind of sample music and then play like a, a stretched version of that. Like if you wanted to sound of a bell, you'd record a bell and then you'd play it higher and higher in pitches. But yeah. with Nintendo, it was basically just a lot of beeps and boops. Beeps and boops. Yeah. Hashtag beeps and boops. Hashtag beeps and boops. There it is. I got it in early, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm going to continue. No, I want you to. So the other thing about video game music back then is it it did tie in thematically to video games, right? Mario, they wanted it to be a fun, adventurous game. Mar- this is in Mar- Super Mario Brothers, the first one, was actually very unique at the time because Atari games, if you know what an Atari is, <laughs> Atari games kind of took place on one screen. You wouldn't really go continuously on the screen, like what's what they call screen scrolling. You see it in all games now, but Mario didn't like stop at the edge of the right of the screen and then begin another screen. It was all seamless. If it was from the beginning to the flagpole or from the beginning to Bowser and it kind of, mm-hmm. that was new technology <laughs> uh, when Mario came out. And so they wanted an adventurous theme to kind of go with that because you're kind of going along the level and they wanted something that was going to be played often so you wouldn't get bored of it but fun and melodic that you wanted to listen to it. Cause still it was, made it enjoyable. Yeah. You wouldn't want to listen to just a bunch of beeps or, or, or you wouldn't want to listen to really bad music for hours on end. So. Right. Yeah. So it's it, interesting too, how just much they thought this through. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the good games, the things that are associated with good or classic games, music is inherently tied to them because if the music was not as good as it was, and you may not think it's good, but at the time, people really brought the music kind of completed the package. Mm-hmm. The games wouldn't be as memorable. You know, it's like, it's like so. Um, the other game from the era that I like to bring up is Mega Man. Mm-hmm. Mega Man is definitely like an old school character now. You don't see a lot of new Mega Man games or well, younger he's in people. Smash. Playing. He is so in Smash for Brothers. Kids who- you know, might Absolutely. be familiar with that. He is a character in Smash. And Mega Man was not a Nintendo character. He's actually owned by Capcom. Mm-hmm. And Mega Man is highly associated with its music. People, whenever they bring up Mega Man, they always say, oh man, I love that music. Um, and it went for the same thing, sort of adventurous, but they also had these really interesting themes. That, like each level was tied to the character you were fighting in Mega Man, like Metal Man or... Fireman or Iceman, all men until Mega Man Nine, and you get Mega Man, you get Splash Woman. Yeah, but um, so you, again, they wanted music that was easy to listen to, that you'd want to listen to a lot, because in Mega Man you're going to die. It's one of those classic hardcore, you know, hard games where you have to die a lot to kind of learn the level. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't have that patience anymore, but. Yeah. Back when I was a kid, that's all we had. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Back in our day. Get good was the only way to enjoy a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you're playing Celeste now. Yeah. Oh, that's, my gosh. I guess we could talk about that. <laughs> so um, the next theme I want to play for you in the original sort of adventure games is from Mega Man 2. 
this is the stage when you have beaten all the bosses and you're going up against it's the final boss. And so it, it kind of culminates in sort of like this, all right, I've kind of gone through this adventure and it's time to kind of end it. And it's just one of the first levels, Dr. Wiley, if you're familiar with that character, this is the first stage in, in Dr. Wiley or Dr. Wiley and Mega Man two. Okay. So you kind of get that adventurous theme, like, you know, it's kind of got that minor key to it where it's kind of like things are getting serious, but it's still kind of bouncy and like we're taking the fight, you know, and this is, these are feelings that I get. And again, I'm, Mm -hmm. I grew up with these games, so I have a a lot of fondness and nostalgia towards them. Sure. So I think it's very interesting that it's still intense and it's the ideas are the same kind of as super Mario brother where it's supposed to be light and bouncy and something you could hear over again. But this definitely has a different feel. It's still, it's very intense. You can tell you're leading somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And that was their intent, right? You've, you've Mm -hmm. beaten all the bosses. You're going up against the, the, the the final guy. Well done Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) So NES was, you know, it was really the beginnings of video game music. A lot of people were figuring out how to make music for video games. And not all music on the NES is good. And not all games on the NES are good. I have certain opinions about the Nintendo system compared to the Super Nintendo. Nintendo was very that sort of classic old school thought where, yeah, you're going to die a bunch. And that you're going to like it and get good at the game. Yeah. Um, because developers hadn't figured out. They play the game hours and hours and hours on end to test it before they give it to general public. So of course it's going to seem easy to them. So the sort of the play testing and difficulty balance wasn't really an, a thing back then. Mm-hmm. And, and nor was music. I mean, they, it was a lot of uh, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what <laughs> sticks for yeah. lack of a better analogy. Sure. That makes sense. Nice. Well, what happens next, though? I mean, you're still talking about NES. We've got other consoles after that, right? Yeah. So Nintendo was huge at the time because they're kind of the only console. There was a video game crash with Atari and video games were kind of gone for a while. And then Nintendo came back. And then Nintendo was facing competition from Sega, who used to make video game consoles back then with the Sega Genesis. So they had to come out with a new console to kind of compete. Mm Mm-hmm. They came out with the Super Nintendo. Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Yeah. Everything was super back then, or Mega, (laughs) or Ultra, or whatever. It was all pumped up. Yeah. Pumped up kicks. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I like it. Um, So Super Nintendo came a lot more sound capability. And was that just because of the evolving technology that came Evolving technology, more space for the games, um, enhanced sound cards, And the Super Nintendo, you could actually sample very small, 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 small files of sound bites or voices. There's a couple games that have voices where it's like, good luck, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. kind of distorted because you're compressing that sound so small Mm -hmm. to fit on something less than 512 kilobytes, Mm -hmm. but still be recognizable by the human brain (laughs) as speech. (laughs) Readable. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so the Super Nintendo is where things get kind of interesting because composers have kind of figured out 
how to make music for these systems. They've had, you know, the experience with the Nintendo system. They get more technology or familiar with the technology. It's just kind of evolving. And thus they can kind of experiment and have a lot more capabilities with what they can do. So, um, you know, you get the Legend of Zelda and Mario, classic, again, Koji Kondo making music. But there's a couple standouts for me on the Super Nintendo, and there's a ton of good music on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple standouts to me in terms of how they kind of evolved, to me personally, what video game music was. Okay. It wasn't just those beeps and boops and sort of like mm-hmm. that chip tune is what we call yeah. it, music, and they kind of took it a little bit past that. So the first one I want to bring up is a composer that I love. He's near and dear to my heart. His name's David Wise. Uh, he did all of the music for the Donkey Kong Country series. Donkey Kong Country was um, when they didn't know what to do with Donkey Kong. Because Donkey Kong, prior to Donkey Kong Country, was from the original arcade game where Mario's trying to save Pauline from Donkey Kong, and he's like, you know, just a big angry ape. This is a serious throwback, by the way. Like, some <laughs> people arcade. don't realize that that is the true beginnings yeah. of these games. And they're games. like, what do we do with Donkey Kong? We have this character, and we can't make him, you know, stealing women. And they're like, well, where does he come from? Well, he's a giant gorilla. He comes from the jungle. And so they kind of had this, there was a, it was a developer in uh, the UK called Rare. And they kind of pitched this to Nintendo. They wanted to make a platformer. Um, with Donkey Kong. And so they made this game, and it's a lot different than Mario. You're playing as Donkey Kong, and you're in the jungle, and it's very atmospheric. You have, like, these giant palm trees and canopies of the forest. It's very nature-themed. You're you're fighting a bunch of animals, and the bad guy is King K. Rule, which he's in Smash Brothers now, so yeah. <laughs> the kids may understand what I'm talking about. Well, he's he, he leads a bunch of lizards, um, that are fighting against the protagonist, which that was never done in the game before because Mario fights a bunch of turtles. Okay, anyhow. Um, <laughs> He's spiraling. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, Donkey Kong was very, it was very different. It was a very different game. They used 3D technology before 3D was a thing. They rendered everything really? in 3D. Yeah, so the, all the sprites, they generated on a computer. They rendered that model and then they turned it into a pixel art. And that took them days to render an image of Donkey Kong in one frame of animation and putting it in the game. So if you look at the game, the graphics may or may not hold up in your opinion, depending on your age. I think they still hold up. But at the time, this was amazing technology. It made the Super Nintendo look like it was a new console because of the way they did the graphics. So when they were doing all these graphical updates, did this really up the game for the music too? Yeah, so they wanted something that was different for the music. They didn't want to do normal chip tunes. So they, again, they're building sort of this atmospheric, realistic-ish, cartoonish world. Very nature-themed. Mm-hmm. So they wanted some atmospheric music. So um, that's when they hired David Wise. He was a composer. So I'm going to play a couple themes from Donkey Kong Country. Um, the first one's the main theme, and I'm going to explain this a little bit. The main theme of the first game starts off with the original Donkey Kong theme from the arcade game. And then it kind of evolves in the middle to tell you this isn't your dad's Donkey Kong game. <laughs> you'll see what I'm talking about, and I'm, I sound lame, but No, you'll see you here. don't. You're perfect. You have right. no idea what me and Jeremy say all the time. You're good. Trust <laughs> right, me. So let's take a listen to this. Okay.
my gosh, that evolution. Yeah, like, so you just can see how that, it starts off. that changes, right? Because they're they they have this task of taking Donkey Kong from an arcade and saying like we're we're changing your perception of what Donkey Kong is. They turn it into that rock music. Now the game has some rock elements to it, but I would say the the main game is a lot more atmospheric. It's very rhythmic, but that's just. That's just sort of to say, like, this is not your dad. The, the the intro scene to Donkey Kong Country is Cranky Kong, which is basically Donkey Kong's grandpa. He's actually the original Donkey Kong, if you want to get into the details. Oh, man. And he's sitting up listening to um, a phone, a record player, a phonograph, the big cone. What do you, it's a phonograph, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's listening to an old record Yo, on a phonograph. Hey, students, remember when we talked about this in semester one? We did this about... <laughs> late late semester one when we talked about phonographs so they know what you're talking about okay he's sitting there rocking in a chair listening to his phonograph on a record donkey kong throws a thing of explosives at him <laughs> blows him out of the way and he jumps up at, with a boom box and that's when that music kicks in that you just heard and so again it's sort Wait, of saying, is are you telling me this is that generation's version of okay boomer it really is <laughs> it really is yeah absolutely I love it so, again, it was to say, like, this is not what you think of it. It was kind of... Mm-hmm. So, So David Wise had this task of making a very atmospheric game. Um, again, and not that beepy-boopy music of Nintendo, the old NES. So, the next song I'm going to play to you is from the underwater levels um, in Donkey Kong Country. And now, if you look... Just to get an idea of what that looks like, is is it you know, real flowy and like nature's flowing in yes. water. If you look at the game at the time, again, it was revolutionary. You see ripples in the sand in the background. Like, like okay. if you've ever gone scuba diving or if you've been to the beach and have looked under the water in the sand, you know how the sand sort of ripples as it gets close to the coast, right? Because of the waves. And then you have a bunch of fish that look like real fish compared to the old old school Mega Man 8 fish they're they've got reflections they've got those like subtle color tones so this is part of the 3d rendering you were talking about yeah and you've got like kelp it's very okay. nature I wouldn't say realistic but a lot more realistic than video games had looked at the it's time it's very submersive hashtag submersive wow look at that so Jared's this, right in y'all <laughs> this song is called aquatic ambiance again they're going for ambient music and so it ties right in so go ahead and take a listen to this So yeah, it's really calm and chilling. And again, there's not a lot of sound facts going on. You're swimming. The enemies aren't making a ton of sound. And so it's really sort of peaceful in a way. Completely different from what we heard earlier. Exactly. And a lot of the music in Donkey Kong Country is like that, where you hear sort of what he did with the instrumentation was he kind of made nature sounds like crickets and kind of builds the music up. How Do you know how he did that? Was it just like, you so know, pizzicatos on strings or using... He made most of the things? sounds uh, and sampled them and, and worked them into the, any, or the SNES. So you take very small sound bites and kind of work them in. Uh, okay. It was one of the first games that you could use sampled sort of instruments instead of the oh. built-in uh, chip 
tune sort of instruments. So we're really getting some instrumental work now. Yeah. So And this would have been about what year? Uh, Donkey Kong Country, the first one came out in 1994. So even though we had video games around the 70s, roughly, we didn't really start seeing instrumental music until the mid-90s? Until it you get to like long? sampled like instrument where he's making it. I mean, it's still synthesized, or but he's taking sounds and kind of working with them. Yeah. Oh, wow. So the next song is from the sequel, Donkey Kong Country 2. It's called Sticker Bush Symphony. Um, and this is probably his most popular work, but it's sort of, again, uh, to set the stage, this is in a bunch of levels that are sort of like in Bramble. Okay. And it's got a nice bright blue sky behind the Bramble. And you're basically just kind of navigating through a bunch of bees and um, it's a bunch of spikes. But again, it this feeling that you're going to hear, it's going to be very chill. So okay. take a listen. So again, we're talking about music that it's there, but it's kind of in the background. That is so mellow. Like I just zoned out. (laughs) I totally zoned out. And at the time, there was nothing like this in video games. This was completely against the green. So it caught a lot of people off guard and people like me loved it. And some people were just like, what is happening? (laughs) This is not video game music, but. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, how much of an effect was that, that it wasn't as engaging as other types of music, but did that still add to the overall? It adds to the adventure, right? It, it, I mean, right. it totally changed how you felt about um, the video game. Cause again, it, I, that was one of the first soundtracks from a video game that I wanted to listen to while not playing the game. Really? Yeah. Because it was that good. And, 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 you know, you just sit, I think those games allowed you to play the music after you beat them either for a cheat code or something, and you could just you just sit there and listen to the music because it was that good. Now, at this time, did they have video game soundtracks? I mean, we do now, but like, did they have them in the way that we know? Um, it depends. In the same way now where every game released with a soundtrack, absolutely not. Um, some games became so popular, like Donkey Kong, where you could get a sound selection if you were a member of Nintendo Power. Nintendo Power was a magazine that was published by Nintendo at the time that was basically given to kids to say, hey, look at all these games are coming out. Make sure you tell your parents about all these games are coming coming out so they can buy these games for you. So it was the it was, printable version of YouTube ads. It was really, yeah, it was direct <laughs> advertising to kids to make them want these games. Um, but there worked. would be certain mail-in offers where you could say you could mail in so many points or try to win in a contest. But in terms of going out to the internet and buying the soundtrack, no. It wasn't really until the late 90s, early 2000s when the illegal music downloading scene came on that. And a lot of people would take the music from the video games, record it, and then play it. on Record it? Yeah, they would output it directly into a cassette recording or CD recorder or mini disc if you were me and if you know what mini disc (laughs) is. Wait, 
So I'm just now learning I could have had music as a kid, is what you're telling me, and I didn't know. Yeah, there were ways. Because so, I would have taken the Sonic theme real fast. Yeah. So they were, <laughs> those were on Napster for download. People were, because oh, there was man. demand for it, right? I mean, yeah. So the other game I want to mention for the Super Nintendo around 1996, 1997, was Final Fantasy VI. Now, you may have heard of the Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy <laughs> series. Um, if you don't know, each game is an RPG, but they're all set in their own little world. Like you don't have to play one to know what goes on in three. They're all sort of self-contained stories. <laughs> and final fantasy six was the last one, uh, on super Nintendo. And everybody knows final fantasy seven remake is coming out in a couple, uh, we- yeah. And weeks, just side note. Shout out to Mr. Wintrow, because I know for sure he is losing his mind over that. <laughs> so shout out to Mr. Wintrow. Um, the big thing with Final Fantasy VI was the game is cinematic. And I mean that in the truest sense of the word. Like, it starts off with a scene of an intro, and then literally the beginning credits are going of who made the game. And you're watching the characters kind of walk into the horizon, and music starts playing. And you're not controlling a character. It's like a, it's like one of the first iterations of what you would consider a cutscene today oh, okay. on a Super Nintendo, and it's like a movie intro. And the composer of that basically scored it like a movie. Each character, there's about twenty, uh, not maybe fifteen different characters, each have their own motif. So each character has their own theme, and it kind of plays into the story. Um, the overworld has a theme. Like there's this. Um, there's this moment. I'm going to spoil Final Fantasy VI for all of you kids. We're going to spoil something. <laughs> uh, so in the game, there's basically these gods, and they have been segmented off from humanity because they're the keepers of magic, and magic and humanity didn't mix. Well, somebody finds out a secret, and they ba- try to basically harness the power of those gods, or we'll call them demigods. And tries to take over the world for, I'm simplifying this greatly. It's a Japanese <laughs> I, role-playing game. I was going to say, truly, the, Mr. Wintro is going to be calling are not me. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. the evil character tries to take over the world. And the funny thing about this game is he kind of succeeds halfway through the game. So he basically disrupts the world and the continent kind of, all the continents kind of split. The world gets shifted around. And all the characters you've met throughout the game kind of go they get split out into the world and it starts like a year later and so you as one of the other characters has to kind of get the band back together and there's this theme it's a very somber theme as you're kind of it's literally called searching for friends because that's what it is you the airship that you had in the beginning of the game blows up you find a second airship because it's a game you find whatever (laughs) and you're you're basically searching the world for their friends and this theme pops up every time you get in the airship the first airship theme in the beginning of the game is this very bubbly like fun adventure thing and then halfway through the game the world destroys gets destroyed and that to me was very powerful it was it was just like the first time where i was just like the music is playing directly into my feelings in this game and and, and role-playing games if you've never played one are very story driven so if you like stories role-playing games are for you if you like to shoot things role-playing games aren't for you (laughs) um so the story this is really the first time that we see some emotional response absolutely 
Okay. I mean, people die in this game. It's a little more, more mature than what you'd consider Mario. Um, I mean, it's only depicted in 16-bit graphics, but you still you're tied to these characters. There's a lot of mature themes of death and war, and so that somber theme was like powerful to me. And so at the end of the game, you fight the boss, and it's like you know the power of friendship's going to see us through in that traditional trope. But it works. Right. Friendship <laughs> saves the day. Um, and at the end. There's a 30-minute epilogue to the story where you kind of see all the characters leaving where they fought the boss and kind of going about their lives, and you see what happens to them. And 30 minutes? 30 minutes. I, I would love to play the 30-minute track. It's a 30-minute track <laughs> oh from a goodness. Super Nintendo game, and it goes through, and it's a sweeping piece, and it touches on every character's motif or theme throughout the story seamlessly. And you get to see where they are. It plays like a version of their theme. And it's magical. Also, this game, side note, has a full sequenced opera scene in it. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, there's a scene where you have to basically play a part in an opera. Um, I don't remember. You're supposed wise. to be one of the actors? Yeah. Okay. And there are lyrics. And the music goes in line with the lyrics. Obviously, they couldn't do voice at the time. But... There's a little voice, you know, with lyric opera, and it kind of goes through and has this whole theme about love and two lovers. And wow, it's is it, this the first piece that employed something like that, or the first mu- again? Game? This one, yeah, absolutely. Again, these huge scenes, like the opera, an opera scene in the video game was absolutely unheard of, and I think it's still unheard of. I don't think there's many opera video games out there. I'm trying, but to every character, every character, even some of the bosses you fight, has their own theme. And it kind of ties that music to the person, characteriza- mm-hmm. characterization. Mm-hmm. And again, this game soundtrack is absolutely one of my faves. I listened to this when I was in high school on bus band bus trips <laughs> on my mini disc player. Showing often. your age. You're really know, showing I your know, age. <laughs> also, it was one time at band. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spare you all. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, video game music's been... I that was where I first I'm I'm a ter- total nerd. Mm-hmm. I mean, pop music and rock music I love now, but I started off learning my appreciation of music through video game music. Do you think when you were in high school and you were listening to this stuff that it was helpful that you were a musician cuz we didn't talk about it and I should have said it, but you used to play trombone. Yeah, I did. I think it made me appreciate a lot, especially, you know, when you're in uh at least in my high school band, we played a lot of classic pieces and we played a lot of movie scores, right? And movie scores are where you kind of learn where what the meaning of a motif is or a motif, mm-hmm. right? Of mm-hmm. a character sort of theme throughout a movie, mm-hmm. um, like a reoccurring theme. And so when I mm-hmm. kind of understood those themes from high school music and understood those were in a video game, it, it was awesome. It was just like, man, this is really ahead of its time. Now, when you see video games today, they're big budget. They're making more money and spending more money than movies these days. Mm-hmm. But at the time, like for that composer, the composer of Final, most of the Final Fantasy games, um, w- that was absolutely not normal. Wow. So this really set a precedent going forward. Absolutely. And again, with Final Fantasy VII, which was the next game, and again, we're getting the remake of that, was that debuted on the... PlayStation 1, 
I know we're on four and there's a five coming, but um, some of us have pros <laughs> just recently. But Final Fantasy VII was like it took that Super Nintendo 16-bit art style and we got full-fledged cutscenes as you know them today, rendered, pre-rendered cutscenes with music and set pieces, and like it was very bombastic sort of, and that was a lot more rock themed because it was a lot more of a modern sort of world in, in a role-playing game. All the role-playing games, when I said Final Fantasy VI, you're thinking of magic and wizards and castles and all that stuff. Final Fantasy VII was set in a city. There was still magic, but it was city and there was technology. And mm-hmm. again, that was new for the time. Nice. So how did this lead into the next console? So that was PlayStation 1. So you have a lot of, which we literally use CDs, so they could use CD audio. You get a lot of games that used real CD audio, like full-fledged, pre-recorded. A lot of it was still synthesized, but the fidelity of the music was a lot more realistic, and sometimes they would use real instrumentation um, or just full-fledged you know, tracks from a CD. Um, and that's what you saw a lot in video games until video games kind of became as big as they are now, where um, you could finally see full orchestra soundtracks of games not all games even today have orchestra soundtracks soundtracks because Mm -hmm. video game music is very technical still there's a lot of layering and you can't play a track from you know a three minute track where it gets slow and then builds up to something because you don't know what the character is going to do in a video game are they going to turn around and pick up a bunch of stuff off the ground and (laughs) go craft in minecraft you know yeah before they go fight the boss so you can't time it like you would a normal traditional music track. Mm -hmm. But that being said, some games that were, you wanted a theme that you didn't have to worry about the pacing so much. were doing orchestra soundtracks. And the the first thing that came, came to my mind was back to Mario, super Mario galaxy for the Wii was one of the first Mario games. And I think it's one of the only Mario games where they used a full orchestra soundtrack. Do they even do that in Odyssey? Um, for some, I don't think all, all the tracks, I think like with, uh, New Donk City, they used Mm. live recording and stuff, but a lot of it's still Mm -hmm. synthesized computer music. I I got thinking about that because they're similar in a way. Like if, if you're somebody who's playing Odyssey right now, it kind of grew from Galaxy, right? Like the, just in terms of the gameplay and the storytelling. So I was kind of curious how much of the music was similar in that regard. Yeah, yeah. So the track I'm going to play you is from Super Mario Galaxy 1. You've probably heard this theme. If not... I definitely have. This is from the gusty garden level. And to set the stage for you, Mario's in a gusty garden. No, sorry. (laughs) It's It's like a bunch of vines up in the sky, essentially. And there's a lot of wind and you're floating between vines and stuff in the level. So it's sort of like in the clouds, sort of gusty as they say in the track so it was exactly then the name (laughs) here we go perfect You see how that one starts off with like a big, like adventurous brass intro 
and then kind of starts to the high tempo sort of the guitar in the background and the drums and then it goes into like the the um the strings with the long mm-hmm. sort of floaty feel mm-hmm. i thought that, that one's one of the ones where they nailed it right on the head in terms of what they're trying to accomplish yeah it gives you like this little push of energy at the beginning and then yeah. you start floating around <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah and i heard some like little woodwind lines in there too that yeah. i thought were really cool that yeah. that also kind of have to do with the title of that right <laughs> yeah so, so are there other ones from galaxy that you think are worth noting there's a ton of stuff from galaxy i didn't put it all on here but yeah. there's a ton of galaxy has a lot of memorable music and again they they treated it as sort of a score to a game and there's some more that are a little more ambient you know where they kind of the music's kind of in the background where you're like in a cave or something and so the music's not as powerful as that but it's setting a stage of you're kind of in a dark cave and kind of looking for stuff um and then you, you know you have all the boss fights that have your own thing and uh, Ma- mario galaxy was definitely setting the stage of being in space and a space adventure and you know everything eventually goes to space eventually you know everybody is in space everybody. didn't thor go to space yeah thor lives in space right okay (laughs) the muppets went to space oh i forgot the muppets friday the 13th jason went to space really yeah i don't want so so we have these sweeping orchestral pieces and this wouldn't have been too long ago because the piece you just talked about was from a game that was on the wii console yeah mario galaxy was 2007 okay So not too long ago. Let's fast forward. That's 13 years ago, so it's kind of been a while ago. Okay. Well, not that long ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm in denial about it. So let's fast forward a little bit to present day. And one thing we talked about a little bit was ambiance and and how things are... Well, I did want to touch on the other one that we talked about. Oh, yeah. Let's go back. So when I said that video games are a little more technical, you can't just... uh, Video game programmers today kind of have to, they have to do a lot of stuff. There's a lot of dynamic soundtracks out there that change depending on what you're doing and where you are. And maybe you're going from one area to another in the video game and it kind of transitions and kind of subdues the music a little bit or something. There's a lot of that in video game music now. And that's why they can't do live recording a lot because there's a lot of technicality where you're bringing in instruments or taking out instruments or slowing it down or kind of muffling the music, a lot of processing to kind of bring that feeling into the video game. Um, One of the first times I remember seeing this in a video game was for a game for the 3DS, uh, The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. This is a great game. This is, oh, this hits on me. This is a direct (laughs) sequel to the Super Nintendo, um, uh, A Link to the Past. And so it has a lot of, feelings and a lot of music from that game and a lot of new music and one of the new music uh some of the new music in the game is for the final dungeon or the final castle you're you're basically going up against the end boss again Mm -hmm. and what they did in this game is they kind of build it as you're going along you have to go through and you have to fight like four bosses before you go and fight the final boss you have to do kind of four different little tasks before you go up to the main tower and every time you beat one of those bosses the music gets a little more dramatic to kind of build that scaling. So I'm going to play, we're going to go through five different sequences here where the instrumentation changes to kind of build. So we'll start off and then we'll, we'll go from one by one here and we'll stop in between to kind of talk about it. Yeah, we should. (laughs) 
So you start off with that. You get that very the kind of tense music, but you have that woodwind where it's like, what are we getting into? It's very low key, like. But yet, there's still a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency, but you know the woodwinds like you're you're the meek hero going up against the big bad boss, right? So you know. So would like, you the the woodwinds are kind of representative of Link? The I hero? think so. Yeah. Okay. So after you beat the first one, let's see how it kind of gets up. So we've kind of subdued the woodwinds and we've brought in some big pounding brass, <laughs> <laughs> kind of heroic mm-hmm. brass of like, you know, this is, we're, we're going in, you know, we've defeated our first thing and this is for realsies. I feel like the brass kind of pumps you up at this point. I think so too. Like you got to start getting jazzed up to go in there. So level three is this. So we bring in some percussion now to kind of add that march. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's subtle, right? It's not much different from the last one, but there's just that little hint of an, a new addition that kind of adds. We're a new building flavor. A little new flavor. F- yeah. A little zest. <laughs> We're adding to something. So here's level four. So there are a couple things that are different with that one. First off, the intro kind of expands, like, you know, kind of is building, like, and then there's these accent pops, sort of syncopated, like, can you explain what syncopation is? Yeah, the class knows what the okay. syncopation you, they is. Know. They know. Okay. <laughs> I, I could, Upbeats, I, y'all. I, I figured you'd be better explaining <laughs> it than me. Yeah. Remember, this is when rhythm makes you feel off. Yeah. And then we get to the final version of this track. We're building up and then we're, we're about to hit the final boss now. So a couple things that were added to that. You heard like sort of like these bells, these like big church bells sort of. And then also you have like a... a uh, a choir sound not real choir obviously because it's yeah. video game music but sort of to emphasize like this is it this is the final and so everything kind of builds up subtly as you're going through the game in this yeah i always found this one interesting because i've played this game and well by the recommendation of jared probably obviously but it does keep getting more intense per each level and it really adds to the storytelling i think because it is telling the story of the little guy's about to go fight the big guy I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, now that we've talked about that one, because I'm glad you brought that up, let's go, let's go ahead and fast forward now to the future. Yeah. What in today's music, or video game music, I should clarify, that you're seeing that is different from even just the last version of consoles that we used to see? So a lot of things you're seeing now are, are that dynamic music, and that was kind of just very sequential. We're building up from level one to level two to level three to level four to level five, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing a lot of that sort of, when I say dynamic, I mean, when I was talking earlier, is it's kind of all interchangeable. It's one track. You're not really 
just playing different versions of it. It's just, we're bringing in instrumentation here or taking it out, mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, we're changing, changing the volume, or maybe you're in a room and it's kind of muffled or like sometimes in video games, when you go underwater kind of muffles, the best example I would have for this would be Donkey Kong country, tropical fees freeze, mm-hmm. which I don't have for you, but the example is there's this music playing. Actually, I think it's the same track we played earlier, but in a different version, Stickerbush Symphony. Mm-hmm. And when you're above water, you get this very sort of like rhythmic, you hear, you hear some percussion. And as soon as you dive into water, you get sort of a muffled, more chill version of that music. And it's a seamless transition. So you're seeing a lot of that in video games now. It's and, very and- responsive to what you're doing in the video game. Maybe you're going into a menu and so it's kind of compressing the music because it's mm-hmm. kind of, you're taking a pause, but the music's still there, but it's kind of muffled. So when you say dynamic, I, I just want to clarify for our students. We know in our class that dynamic means the loudness and the softness of music. We've talked about, you know, dynamic. What Jared's talking about is mean, meaning like more interesting. He's not saying dynamic in the when way When I say dynamic, that, I mean it changes uh, depending on right. the situation. I mean, it, so think Not of that it, it couldn't be volume. Yeah, it can be volume. It could be. But, I'm not, but you're yeah, not, not in the using music it in term. the musical term. It, yeah. It's dynamic to the situation. It's changing depending on the situation or the experience in the game. Okay. So it's not just a, a static and dynamic is the kind of terminology I'm thinking of. Static okay. is like you're listening to this music track. It's the same from beginning to end where dynamic means it, it changes. So. Okay, gotcha. I'm using hand motions, but I realize this is a podcast. <laughs> they, are, they are really good hand so. motions, you guys. They're really, really good. So do you have an example that you can share? Not for that. I, okay. I would have to find it, but I don't That's have okay. it. Yeah, yeah the, the example I said is if you have Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze from the okay. Nintendo Switch, you'll notice it. Okay, so everybody. And that's, again, composed by David Wise. He came back for that game, and it's, again, probably one of my favorite soundtracks ever. He's so wise. David Wise is so wise. (laughs) So let's talk about ambiance then. Yeah. So we talked about playing games for a long time and you wanted music that kind of you didn't get tired of listening to. But what if you're playing games for a really long time? Like how long, Jared? Like hundreds of hours long. Hundreds of hours. Back in the game when, when, or back in the game when I was a game, (laughs) back in the day when I was a kid playing a game, Video games could be beaten once you got good at them in a couple hours. Now video games are, they take forever. Depending on what, if it's an open world game or an RPG, you're playing for hundreds of hours. You're playing for literal days of gameplay. And so video game music, you can't have that. You can't have this. For hundreds of hours because you will get sick of it. And you'll go a little nutty. So some games have kind of done something, again, going back to that Donkey Kong Country feeling of being kind of ambient music. Kind of music that is there, but it's not in your face. It's it's present. It changes due to the situation, but it's kind of out of the way. It's it's subtle, right? Because you're, you're focusing more on what's happening. Maybe the world is more important than what the music is. You don't want music trumping the experience of these really dynamic... Well, I'm saying dynamic. No, but I think we know what you mean. Real and realistic and just full featured worlds. Like, I mean, you're talking open world games like Grand Theft Auto or Breath of the Wild or Assassin's Creed. I mean, these are huge worlds. I mean, they're so huge compared to the video games of days old. And they're only getting bigger, 
right? I mean, oh, for sure. the thing about video games is the next one's going to be bigger and, and better than the last one. Right. So we're talking like, I think the game world in Grand Theft Auto Five is like, I forget how many square miles, real square miles. I mean, it takes like 10 minutes to walk from one side of the map to the other. Or like it would in real life. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that's not realistic. It doesn't take 10 minutes to drive across Columbus or yeah. from, you know, Columbus to Cincinnati. It takes a couple hours, but it, it has to be scale because if you're yeah. literally driving for 60 minutes to get between your destination, that wouldn't be fun. No. But they're still really big. Mm-hmm. So the game that comes up to mind, again, as Daphne, Miss Check said earlier, um, is Zelda Breath of the Wild for the Nintendo Switch. And Wii U. And so what they did with the soundtrack, again, was something different than they had done with previous Zeldas. Um, that last track we played was from a Zelda game. And you may think of Zelda themes as very heroic or you get to the dungeon theme. And they wanted to take a step back from that because you don't want a loud heroic theme the entire time you're playing a game catching bugs or cutting down trees. And we should say, as you're talking about this, you're alluding to it, but just to be super clear... Breath of the Wild is very different from other Zelda games. Yeah. And and it needed a different musical response for that Absolutely. reason. So it, they, it wasn't like your normal dungeon crawling. Yeah. Traditional Zelda games was you're going to go through eight dungeons, you're going to beat the boss, and then you're going to go to the final, the final boss, right? Breath of the Wild is an open world game, which kind of lets you do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and where you want to go. There's no correct way to play the game. There's no specific order to play the game. It will lead you to certain places, but you don't have to go to them. So as a video game composer, you want to tell a story in this game. And this is a challenge not just for the composer, but for the people making the story of the game. Traditionally in video games, it's like you're going to go to this thing. A thing's going to happen. You're, you're writing a story from beginning in like a movie, right? It's very sequential. Open world games and these, these new video games, you can't do sequential because the player may want to go crafting for a while or they may want to go fight a bunch of people when they're not supposed to and maybe the story wants you to go over here and you want to go do something fun so as a as a story director for these games they kind of have to make it so you can play out of order but still have story that's meaningful the game so in breath of the wild if you've not played it you're you're kind of retelling the story of what happens in the game through these memories that you find out you find them in certain places of the world and you kind of piece them together. Cause that's the whole theme of the game is link in this game has forgotten what happened and he's kind of building up to go fight, uh, Ganon again. And so you're kind of going through this world, kind of piecing everything together. The character of link knew this world, but something bad happened and he basically has to reconstruct. So you as the player aren't familiar with this world, but you're kind of inhabiting this character that is also not familiar because he's lost his memory. So that's, that's the stage from a story director. That's kind of hard from a traditional Zelda. We know this is going to happen. You're going to go fight this guy and then you're going to go to the end from it's a, just not like that. It's not nearly as linear as the absolutely. other games. And from a music perspective, again, it has to change depending on the situation. So you have a lot of different themes in the game that are for the day or night. There's a full day night cycle in the game. You have a lot of different areas and regions in the map. You have like snowy regions and you have Death Mountain, which is a lava sort of world. And then you have like a desert area and then you have a water area and then you have these towns. Every town has its own theme, which is really cool in this game to kind of set it apart from everything. 
so I have a I have a, a few sound selections from this game. I have four. So the first thing I want to play is just the general daytime theme. You're out in the middle of the field, kind of going between point A and point B. So here's this. Okay. So how does that make you feel? I am so happy and chill right now. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> so in Breath of the Wild, there's a lot more emphasis on sound design than in other Zeldas. There's a lot of nature sounds. You hear the wind in the game. You hear, you know, animals near you. You you have to rely on the sound of what's actually in the game. So you might hear a bunch of enemies over here cooking over a fire and doing their little dance. They actually dance when they're cooking around the fire. Yeah. And you can hear um, the fire crackling. Yeah, you might hear animals nearby. Um, so to pull away so you can actually interface with the world, the music kind of takes a backseat. And you've got this very subtle piano music that's not very melodic, right? It, it is, but it isn't. And it kind of just sets a stage for a sunny day. You're walking through a field. Nothing bad's happening, but nothing is really going on, right? It's just a lazy sort of kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and just getting comfortable with the environment. Yeah. So the next theme I want to play for you, I want to set the stage. When I said dynamic, this is a theme of a character in the game named Cass. And Cass is basically a bard. If you don't know what a bard is, they're basically a musician, a traveling musician, tells stories through song. Um, and he details a lot of the history of the world to Link throughout the adventure and you always know he's nearby because he plays an accordion and the cool thing about the accordion music is you hear it literally as if it's off in the distance so you kind of hear it and it's very subtle and you're like you can kind of pinpoint the direction it's coming from and you know that character's nearby like in the real world if somebody was playing an accordion down the street um, and as you get closer to him it kind of just it's like you're right next to him so here's his theme and again, you kind of get that intermixed with that original music we played with the day where it will kind of blend from that daytime music to a slight accordion in the background. And you'll, you, you'll hear the nature over the accordion. It's just like, I hear something in the distance and it's literally him. And this is, Again, making that 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 inner activity with the video game, kind of bringing the music into the story, and especially with that character, he's a musician. Yeah, um, and I love that he plays an instrument that's not very common and that's not really in other parts of the music. Yeah, because he's the it's only super character in the game. Yeah, it's super noticeable. You know, even if you're several yeah. feet from him, then maybe he's still behind you. And then if you turn, the accordion gets louder, just like it does in real life. It's it's a it's like surround sound. It like is your 5k sound. And you know, <laughs> when he plays all of his music, he play, he's playing in that style with that accordion and he plays different themes throughout the, the game to kind of tell you the story of what happened in the world. And it's very unique to him. Again, you're tying that music, that sort of that instrumentation is tied to that character. Mm -hmm. So, That's um, awesome. so I love that thing, it's one specific thing too. It's just yeah. like the accordion is only him. <laughs> 
The next thing is a pick by you. Um, this yeah. is the theme. Again, similar concept to Cass's theme. This is a theme when you see one of the three dragons in the game. There are these dragons in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, there's dragons. There's dragons. <laughs> and they're, they're literally legendary dragons in the game. And you don't have to see them ever. And in fact, you will play the game for hours before you first see one. And you will see one and it will kind of sneak up on you. You'll be out in the world, and now you'll just be out somewhere, and then all of a sudden, the night theme or the night music will kind of fade out, and you'll start hearing this. And as you see over your head, there'll be a giant glowing, think Eastern dragon, right? Mm -hmm. Very long and sort of snake-like. And these dragons aren't malicious. They kind of just are going about their business. So it's kind of this very um, surreal, like, feeling. You kind of get Mm -hmm. just sort of this sort of ancient feeling out of that music yeah it's very mystical yeah in the you know you could be out doing something different in the in the world and then you just start hearing it and you know that um that this mythical creature is by you but just because of the way it was composed and the instrumentation they're using they're using what i assume is traditional japanese string instruments in that piece which you know nintendo whatever but yeah so we have a fourth pick too right we have a last pick so Most of Breath of the Wild's music is like that. Again, it takes kind of a backseat. You're not getting the traditional sort of very heroic sound of the video game. That is until you kind of approach Hyrule Castle. And in the game, that's where the bad guy's been the entire time. You can go face the bad guy in the game at any point in time of the game. Again, it's an open world game. Now, are you going to survive? That's a different story. There are some speedrunners, I'm sure, if you're familiar with speedrunning, where they'll get to the end boss within three minutes. They can do it. They can beat the game in three minutes or less. Um, But the the normal player isn't going to go there. They're going to go there and find out that's a very dangerous place to be. I've never done that. That's never (laughs) happened to me, and I've restarted. But eventually, you kind of have to get up the courage, and after you've kind of done other things in the world you kind of have to get up the courage to go there and kind of explore and maybe you're ready to fight the end boss and when you get there you're faced with this music So with that, you can see there's sort of this this being into this march. Mm -hmm. And then it comes up with these slow, melodic strings. And it's very somber. It's very sort of like not happy or heroic. It's And for the plot of the game, the story of the game, 
the bad guy kind of already won and you're basically waking up to find out that the world is he's about to take it over and so when you go to fight him um a lot of the characters that link interfaced with a hundred years ago have died they've passed on and so you're you're going up alone you don't have anybody to back you up now you play the story i I don't want to spoil anything to you but the the general sense is this stuff's going to go down yeah and And it's very different from the other example you played earlier from a link between worlds it it's kind of building on itself and being a layer and it's it's kind of there to pump you up. This almost has a dread to it. Yeah. Like you're kind of, you you don't want to go do what you're about to do, but you have no other course of action. Yeah, there, you may not be coming out of this alive, so to speak. And that's what yeah. kind of the, the gist is trying to tell you. It's like, you've tried to build yourself up, but you're going against the ultimate bad guy here. Again, video games kind of have to do this, right? They have to kind of change the scales and set the scales and kind of build upon the last. They, gotta, they, they have to put you in a mood we're not going to feel like you're going to win. And again, we, we play video games. We've beaten video games. You know you're going to beat it. They make it so you can beat it because they want you to feel that. But music is one of those things, and this is, I think, the perfect example, where you can be as powerful as you want. You're going to hear that music, and you're like, am I ready? Have it I done everything I can do? <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why Hyrule Castle scares me in my play my playthroughs of this game. And it's that music, even though I'm a musician and I know all this stuff, it still is hard to hear when you know you maybe I didn't prepare enough. Maybe I don't have all the tools. And what a cool thing that music can do that. Like yeah. there's, that's not always the case with other mediums, but the way that this music is written and especially toward these stories is really quite incredible. And to make music part of the story, it's really the challenge of video game music, especially today. And not all games achieve this, but you have to make the music in a way that kind of complements the story and builds on the story. And like I said, gives you that feeling, whether it's a real feeling or not, you may have all the items in the game and have all the power-ups, but that the feeling that the game wants you to go is not that you're, this is not a good thing. It's not that traditional. I'm the hero. I'm going to save the day. It's, you know, yeah. So this might go bad. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's that's the last example I have for you. But, I mean, you can kind of see the evolution of video, video game music kind of gone from this poppy, repetitive stuff. And then now we're getting literally, um, you know, orchestral soundtracks and scores. And, honestly, there are other video games examples that I'd love to play for you. There's music. There's a game called um, Sayonara Wild Hearts. If you like pop music... Um, this game has full lyric pop music in the game, and it's when I say dynamic, it changes depending on what's happening. And it it's like a it's playing it's like playing a pop music album, the video game. And so there are so many other examples of how music can get into video games. There are games that um, that let you interface the world that kind of change the music. Like there's a game for the DS called Electroplankton. Do you remember that game? I don't remember that one. Um, there's a level in Smash Brothers <laughs> Ultimate, and it's referencing a game. And basically, you can manipulate things in the game, and it would change the music in the game. And Neat. so there's a lot of tons of video games and music have... I mean, video games encompass every sort of medium. They encompass storytelling, visual art style, you know, acting, voice acting, and music. I mean, they, they have a lot of art in them. So if you are a fan of art... 
you know, there's a, there's a chance that you could get into video games in one way or the other. And then also the technical side, if you're very technical and like the program. I mean, video games have everything. <laughs> Jared just got on his soapbox. So, yeah, I'm done. No, no, we like it here. We we enjoy a soapbox here. Uh, so that's, that's a good thing. One thing we didn't really get to mention... Um, before we get to composers, because I do want you to tell us a couple composers we should be looking out for. But we did talk a little bit before the podcast started, um, Jared and I did, about um, games where you can actually really manipulate the music in and of itself. And we were talking about Super Mario 2, or Super Mario Maker 2, excuse me. Yeah. Um, And that's a game where, if you're not familiar with it, it's a game where you can build Mario levels. And part of the piecing of those levels is putting in music. Now, Jared has a little bit more experience with Mario maker than i do i have it but i haven't played with it much but jared have you messed with the controls in the music when you've been building levels yeah i would say it it depends on if you're not i don't know it's it's weird because it's not like you're traditionally making a, a song in the game you can place enemies or objects on music blocks the pink music blocks and depending on the enemy or object you place on it, it's going to play a different instrument. I can't, I can't remember which enemy is what's instrument right now. But okay. some are drums or percussion. Some are like a trumpet. Some are like strings. Um, and depending on the height you place them in the level, it plays a different pitch. And n- when you put those in order throughout the level and Mario walks past them, it plays. So you're basically walking through a song with each note set mm-hmm. and then you know, how fast or how slow you go kind of dictates the tempo of the song. So you get a visual representation of the music. Yeah. All right. So everybody go do this. This is your homework now. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to possibly link to a video that kind of yeah. walks through. Yeah, we found a really good video, but I need—I do need to clear it for school standards before I officially post it to show notes. I need to watch the whole thing. Um, but it is long, so I need to do it in the morning before we post. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, if, if not, just go on YouTube um, and look for these things. Yeah, search Mario Maker Music. Or, or Twitch, maybe. Yeah, Twitch too. You know, Twitch could be there. So definitely something to check out. Jared, one last thing I want to ask you before we, we do kind of head to the end here is I wanted to get the names of some favorite composers and who students could maybe go check out their work if they're maybe not necessarily into video games, but they are maybe into the music. So a lot of the ones I mentioned are kind of older. Uh, one I didn't put on here. So we'll start with the newer one, and that's Jake Kaufman. Jake Kaufman has done scores of lots of video games, Um, but the one he's most known for right now would be the Shovel Knight series. Okay, side note. If you have not played Shovel Knight, go play Shovel Knight. I have huge feelings about this. So does Jared. Please go play Shovel Knight. There you go. And and the thing I would tell you about (laughs) Shovel Knight is it's like an older retro game. But it's with all the things we've learned about video games since the retro games. So it's not overly hard. And it has a lot of characterization and funny humor. And um, But the kind of way it plays is sort of a little old school 2D platformer. And the music is the music's old very, school, sort of but old with school. a very modern flavor. Absolutely. It's, um, it's so fascinating. Jake Kaufman's one of my favorite modern composers. He's done all kinds of video games. He did... Um, he did the soundtrack for Double Dragon Neon, which was like a remake of the old Double Dragon game, but it was set in the 80s, and he basically made a bunch of original 80s music for this video game. Like, literally, like, if I, I, I 
think I played it for you and I played it for my wife and I said, listen to this music. And it sounds like a song from a pop song from the eighties that you missed. And it's from this video game. It's got lyrics. It's got like this. <laughs> and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> um, but David Wise, I mentioned, he did Donkey Kong Country. He does a couple games for um, Rare and Playtronic games. Uh, uh, what's the... Uh, ukulele um, is one of the modern mm-hmm. ones he's done. Um, Menemi Matsume, I think I'm pronouncing it right. She did Mega Man and Mega Man 2, and she was also on the Shovel Knight soundtrack. Um, Grant Kirkhope. Did the pan the banjo and kazooie series, mm-hmm. banjos and smash? So you should know who that is. <laughs> all um, of our songs relate to smash. <laughs> <laughs> all these songs that we're mentioning, a lot of them that we've mentioned, smash has over nine hundred songs of video game music history, and I think everything we've played today is in that game. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not joking. I there's think there's Breath here. of the Wild music. There's <laughs> Super Mario music. There's Mega Man music. There's all kinds of stuff. And I mean, they may not play all the time when you go to the stage, but you can go to the music selection and you can seek some of these out. Um, Koji Kondo. Oh my gosh. Koji Kondo. If you've played a Nintendo game, you know his music. He has made like literally all of the Mario games to an extent. Um, a lot of the Zelda music. Um, a lot of the other mainline Mario games or sorry, Nintendo games like Star Fox. And he's, he's, Definitely, if you know who Miyamoto is, right? Miyamoto is the creator of Mario, worked for Nintendo, and sort of is like the godfather of video games. Absolutely. Koji Kondo is basically the godfather of video game music, honestly. <laughs> and I don't say that with... Yeah. I'm saying that seriously. Quite can, quite seriously. Um, and then the last one I think we have in this list, and again, I think he's retired at this point, but he did a lot of the music for the Final Fantasy games, uh, Nobeo Umetsu. Um I think he did Final Fantasy up through Final Fantasy 13, literally all of them. And they all have these huge soundtracks. There's a ton more that I can't, uh, composers I can't think to mention, but like music from Splatoon. I mean, there's a ton of, there's a ton of video game music out there. Not to mention Doom. And Doom. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I, I do want to mention this is the, when we're recording this is the night before the world gets Doom and Animal Crossing. So Jared and I are excited for different reasons. Uh, I'll let you guess. I'm totally the Doom person. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't wait to build a house. (laughs) Listen, this is what I'm doing on spring break. I told my classes last week and I wasn't kidding. So anyway, I think this is where we're going to need to wrap it up. Um, first of all, Jared, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. I've wanted to get you on for a while. So You're welcome. I'm super, super excited. Don't forget that Jared is one of the co-hosts of the Signs, Cosines, and Tangents podcast. You can listen to them. Um, do you guys have a Twitter? Yeah, we, we have a Twitter. It's uh, at four, the number four, score. The number seven pongs, four right. score, seven pongs. And just because this is a school podcast, I do need to let you know that it is probably sometimes explicit. Yeah. Um, but they, if you are interested, um, we they do talk about nerd culture stuff. So go check them out. We're, we're kind of on a large hiatus now. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, when you get old like me and everybody's in their mid thirties, early forties, everybody has a podcast and everybody has a podcast that they say, oh yeah, I need to start. That's where we are in our life. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we've got about 30 episodes and we try to we're pretty topical with what's coming out but if you're interested in in nerd stuff i mean go for it but yeah don't, we, don't be surprised if there's nothing new yeah at least for a little bit there's just some personal stuff but that's okay i did want to at least give uh them a shout out and the four score four score seven pongs community we see you we miss you come on back anyway now time for me to do the final wrap-up of stuff you know this, but we say it every time. You can listen and subscribe to this podcast wherever you like. You know that we're big fans of Overcast. Um, Jared, you're an Overcaster. You like your Overcast? What's Overcast? The podcast. What do you? Where do you listen oh, to the podcasts? App? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, the developer of Overcast. It's one guy that makes that app. He made uh, Instapaper. He made Tumblr. He was one of the co-developers of Tumblr. I don't, I don't know if what kids know anymore. He's good. <laughs> I love Overcast. It's a great app. You can also listen to us on our website. Um, that is at uh, ohvamusic.com. You can find us on Twitter, ohvamusic, with the at ohvamusic. We're on Twitter. Don't forget, Mr. England has a per- as a Twitter. You can also follow at Jeremy P. England. Um, and, of course, you can find us at anchor.fm forward slash ohvamusic. And as we leave, I've personally requested this, and students... This is maybe one of my favorite games of all time. I think it could very easily be, especially from my childhood. I'm not going to say what it is. I'm going to leave it to you. If you know what this song is from or what this piece of music is from, shoot me an email. You know where to find me. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy. Have a good week. Thank you.